the Onyx Pathcast. I'm this week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me are Dixie Cochran. Hello. And nobody else. It's true. <laughs> it's just us. It's just us. I mean, my, my, my cat's in the room. Does, does, does she count? One of my cats? Uh, yes. It, Lydia is now our second co-host. We've replaced okay. Matthew with Lydia. Lydia, come, come talk into the mic. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Lydia says no. Well, then I guess it's just us. She says that we don't pay her enough. That is true. Wait, wait. she gets paid? <laughs> I mean, whenever she hosts other podcasts, she gets paid, she says. Wow. Wow. She has an entire secret life I had no idea about. <laughs> uh, but no, um, uh, uh, Matthew is uh, taking care of his child, Edwin, and we reluctantly agreed that his child is perhaps a slightly higher priority than the podcast. So, I mean, you agreed. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I did agree on your behalf. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't agree. It's all right. This, this, this is crap. Today's going to be like the podcast of distractions because now my boyfriend is dancing in the hallway, shaking his head at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm recording. Go away. To be to be fair. To be fair. Uh, to be fair. Um, we're coming off of a week of distraction, so I suspect this podcast is going to be. Even a little punchier than usual, which is impressive for the Onyx podcast. Also, people are just going to have to forgive any background noise on my track because I have this new cat who keeps like jumping on stuff and then I have to have the window open because otherwise it's really hot in here. So sorry if you all get sirens or car noises or anything. I'm doing my best. It's, it's 2020 and I have given up caring about that sort of thing. No, seriously, 2020 is, yeah, I mean, we talked about this way back when the pandemic first started. It was like, hey, there's going to be some background noise and weirdness for a while. That I believe that's still kind of in force. Um, I mean, for for example, it's part of the reason why why Matthew can't be here is you know uh, his his son is sick. We don't believe it's COVID, but you know he's taking precautions and keeping an eye on his son. Um, so that 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 kind of continues the the oddness of this year because boy howdy, there's been a lot of it. Boy howdy. Um, so what have you been up to aside from everything? Uh, let's see. My ongoing V5 game is on hiatus right now. Um, mm-hmm. but I played a little bit with some folks in the meantime. I've actually been playing, um, some online games with the folks at Carry and Comfort Studios and Gehenna Gaming. Um, doing some okay. phas- Phasmophobia. Oh, uh, it's a up to four person multiplayer online game where you're playing ghost hunters. And, oh. uh, you go into a house and you investigate for signs of the paranormal. And after about five minutes, the ghost starts doing creepy stuff. Um, it's oh. really fun to play it at night with the lights out. Um, it's it's also funny because it's it's definitely like choppy in places. Like all the all the the, the people that you play bend in very odd direct like direction sometimes, oh. and it's very funny to watch. Um, but also the ghosts can be legit, like a little creepy. Like if you're you know upstairs at an old farmhouse and suddenly the lights go out and your flashlight starts flickering and then you see this like you know, creepy old lady coming toward you. It's like, ah, and like you, you can die in the game. Oh, um, really? So, it, and once a lot of the game is done by, um, voice recognition. So you're like talking to the ghost through your microphones. So you're saying oh, like, wow. you know, Helen, Helen, come out, like whatever, like, how did you die? What, what do you want? Etc. Et cetera. And, um, because of that, if you get scared and start like cursing, the ghost will get mad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and once, once you die, the game automatically cuts off your microphone and everything. So you can still walk around and like watch what's going on and hear the other players, but, oh, okay. but you can't talk anymore because you are effectively just a like shade at that point. Um, and so it is really fun, like hearing people like discover your body at the bottom of the stairs. 
when when you when you're like I've been dead for a while. Um, playing a little bit of Among Us too. I've, sure. I I really enjoying these uh, kind of casual social games on online because it's, it's just a nice break from everything. It's like it's like okay, like I've been working a lot. I've been doom scrolling. I've been refreshing, you know, the New York Times or Five Thirty Eight all day. Uh, yeah. I I would like to just hunt some ghosts with friends. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a cool game. It's it's, it's still uh, needs some some patching and, and and some updates, but they are adding to it. I, I forgot if it's early access or beta or what, but it's it's something. And actually, that. Uh segues very nicely into what we wanted to talk about today. Um, I'll cover my bits because it's relevant to this too. But um, we decided we wanted to talk today a little bit about games on the Honest Pathcast, whether the odds we're going to talk about games. What? But specifically the fact that when you are a uh, professional in this industry, um, your relationship with games changes somewhat. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you're just a fan, you know, you play a game to have fun. That's pretty much the reason why you'd play a game. Uh, occasionally there's a social component, like I play the game to hang out with my friends or whatever, but generally it's for some form of entertainment. Uh, whereas with uh, a game designer, you know, there's also playing games for research. Um, there's uh, playing games for professional reasons, uh, you know, for, for marketing, whatever. Uh, and sometimes there's a lot of blurriness in how those do. And also recently, mm-hmm. like I said, there's new styles of games that are emerging because of the pandemic. Um, whether it, they've always been there and we're discovering them or they become more popular or they're genuinely new in the past six months. So right. we thought it would be cool to spend some time to actually talk about, uh, oh, probably just a whole lot of games like we just did, um, but also kind of ha- how we feel about them and uh, what it could mean to to talk about them and, and to, to experience them. Yeah. Um, and I will say up front, uh, usually for these kinds of things, we try to give links to all the games we mention. Uh, I'm going to say up front, that's not going to happen too much in the show notes. <laughs> what, you don't want to link to like 100 different games? No, no, I do not, in fact, want to link to 100 different games. Because that's probably what's going to happen with you and me talking about this. Probably. <laughs> but this and this and this and this. Um, uh, that said, if, if we dig into one game, I'll probably at least link those. Um, but uh, otherwise, Google is your friend. Phasmophobia. It's super fun. <laughs> you can play with one to four people. Yo, it's a single, it's a single player game too? Uh-huh, yeah. I, I think it's more fun with multiple people. Um, sure. But yeah, you can play it with just yourself if you want. Um, and you do like level up and rank up and get new like goodies and stuff. And you get paid for every job you complete. And, yeah. Interesting. And that actually is um, uh, uh, one thing that I think it's worth kind of start talking about is the rise of solo games to a certain degree. Um, uh, so, solo gaming is by no means new. It goes back to solitaire or for, you know, whatever. But um, I have seen a lot more people trying to find games that could be played either by yourself or with friends. I'm assuming you mean like TTRPGs as opposed to uh, like yeah. games on the computer. Well, that's fair. Yes. Because we most of those are solo games. No, that, 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 that is a good distinction. Since we were just talking about your game, that's a good clarification. No, I am talking about TTRPGs. Um, uh, I have been seeing, uh, even like on uh, the Story Path Nexus, um, people have been putting out, um, well, I think it's actually all one person, and putting out guides to how to play games like Scion by yourself, mm-hmm. which I find really, really fascinating. Um, and Didn't that's we have one- a guide for solo play as a stretch goal for Demigod? I think so, actually, yeah. I feel like we did. I I could be uh, wrong. Don't don't fact check me. 
<laughs> Again, we're not going to link to everything on here. <laughs> um, uh, but I know, I know at least we, we, there's been some discussion about that uh, because I was just like, how does this work, right? I mean, how, how do you play a tabletop role-playing game? But apparently it's an entire area of gaming I didn't know about. I mean, really, it's kind of like just... It's kind of like reading a choose your own adventure book, right? Only you roll dice sometimes. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's yeah. Um, okay, you've reached a point where you you've gone through the the, the the element you've established. So you roll to find what new element comes up, and then yeah, play through that. Um, it's also a bit like the uh, um, there have been AI text adventures that have been coming up recently. Have you seen any of those? Uh, yeah, you you linked them a while back, and I played through a little bit of one, and it got very weird very fast. Um, right. But it was, like, I kept trying to, like, get get in car or go home or something, and it kept being, like, you are home. You went, and, like, it just, I, I got caught in some kind of weird loop on one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was enjoyable, uh, if a little zany and a little, like, da-da. Like, it was just a little weird. Right. Um, and and, and for, for listeners who aren't aware, um, uh, there have been some attempts for, for uh, AI scripts to actually scan the structures of uh, old school adventure games where you just give you text and you type in a text parser um, and then try to dynamically create a text adventure on the fly. Um, and so there are different ones, to whatever seed they use, whether it's a cyberpunk game or a fantasy game or what have you. Um, but like Dixie says, they, they pretty quickly break down because uh, uh, the logic it's using isn't quite human logic. Uh, and so I, I ran a situation where it's like um, I was checking the mailbox and inside there was mail. And so oh, that makes sense. And so I grabbed the mail and said, you can't grab the mail because you haven't opened the box. So I opened the box and it says inside the box is mail. And I grabbed the mail and said, you can't open the box. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had that, that exact sort of thing too, where it was like, you know, pick up things, stab monster and, you know, can't, can't, can't do that because you're not holding anything. And I'm like, I don't know what the rules of this game are. <laughs> right. And the reality is the AI doesn't seem to know them either. Just kind of making it up as it goes along. Um, so, I mean, it, which, which again goes back to the Tolo play of tabletop games. Like it's, it's kind of the same thing Only there's a human involved, which therefore means there's going to be some narrative because one thing humans are great at is constructing narrative. Even when narrative doesn't exist, they're like, oh yeah, it's totally connected and makes total sense. I mean, well, anthropomorphize our Roombas. So of course we can construct narratives. <laughs> I have no idea what you mean, and certainly I'm not constructing stories about my Roomba, my new dog. What is your Roomba's name? <laughs> I haven't given the Roomba a name. It is just Roomba. <gasps> um, occasionally, it is also Dummy, um, because it makes some well, that's not very nice. poor choices. It makes some very poor choices in life. <sighs> Maybe you should teach it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I wish I could. <laughs> um, uh, uh, but uh, the dog is, is very blase about um the room but the dog has a name dog's name is darcy but um there's darby blase about the room. darby ah yes so digression i'm gonna talk about this <laughs> um this has been a problem uh so uh, the dog's name is darby we got the dog from a rescue her name was darby at the start um the problem is is that i spent three years thinking of a pugmire character named darcy cat oh that that's why you keep making that error that makes sense Right. And so it, it has the same linguistic space as my head because it is an animal named Darby. Um, and Darby and Darcy are very close phonetically. Uh, they're one letter difference, literally in the alphabet. Um, and so it, it, it's still getting cross connected in my head. And so I'm not thinking carefully. It comes out Darcy. 
and it's actually Darby. And so, of course, my family, being the loving and caring people they are, have given me no end of shit about this problem. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally get that. You get something in your head. Like, um, I had a coworker when I was in Connecticut named Tara, right? Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to get her name in my head as Tara instead of Tara, because I'm used to mm. pronouncing T A R A Tara. Right. Um, and so it's like Tara, 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 Tara. And like, I like beat it into my head to the point that when I started living with my best friend and her fiance, I kept calling her fiance Dara, Dara, <laughs> because right, I had exactly. like forced myself into pronouncing it Tara for so long that I was like, I was like, Dara, 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 sorry. <laughs> so yeah, once, once you make those, uh, linguistic pathways in your brain, it can be really, really hard to reverse it. Right, exactly. Um, and, and so it's been an experience. Of course, Darby doesn't care. She's just like, hey, you pat my belly? I don't really care what you call me. Um, <laughs> she's just happy to be here. Um, uh, but no, this is not a show about my dog, although I could definitely talk for an hour about Darby. Um, New topic. Uh, but, in- <laughs> but instead, um, uh, uh, to go back to the very first question I had, so one of the things that I've been doing uh, recently is I've been you know, playing games during the pandemic, but my relationship with games started off differently and it's slowly coming back to something closer to where it was before the pandemic started. Um, because I think we've even talked about it on the Pathcast. I am more inclined to think of a game and break it down from a research perspective than I think even you are. Because a couple of times you've made comments that have been like, oh yeah, I could see blah, 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 construction wise. And you've, you've mentioned that. You, know, you, haven't, you haven't thought about that. Yeah, I don't really... I still do a pretty good distinction of like games as leisure <laughs> mm-hmm. versus games as research. Um, I do definitely like have, you know, feelings about certain games being like, this is a cool setting. It would be cool in an RPG or like, I'm really glad right. that I didn't play Hades until after I had written Hades for Demigod. Um, right. Because I would have just well, wanted to write that Hades. And it's, you know, I didn't. Yay. Um, but yeah, like I think that, I think I make the most connections when I'm playing a TTRPG. Because if I'm playing one that's not an OPP one, I'll be like, oh, these mechanics are interesting. Like, maybe we right. could, you know, port some of this over into X game because it's a really mm-hmm. cool system or whatever. Um, but when it comes to, like, video games, I just don't see the connections as much. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's partially because you and I tend to play very different games. You play a lot of problem solving and RPG and tech stuff, like all your Sherlock Holmes right. things and whatever. And I play mm-hmm. a lot of like smash person with ax. <laughs> right. Like, like I, I haven't played it yet cause I'm on deadline, but I have AC Val- Valhalla sitting in my, in my Uplay store. Mm-hmm. And, um, I am excited to smash person with ax for about, you know, 120 hours. Um, cause that's fun for me. Like I like games that have a decent story, but also a lot of just twitchy, button mashy combat um and so it's it's very different from playing tabletops i guess right and i think that's that's a good point is um relatively early on the pandemic um i i was stressed out i mean you know um we were all stressed out about work about life about everything and games weren't exactly an escape for me because it reminded me too much of work um and so I had to do exactly what you're saying is I had to go some play a kind of game for a while that I wasn't very familiar with. And so I got deep in the rabbit hole of the Yakuza games because the Yakuza games are identical. Basically, it's, it's supposed to hit guy with axe with occasional story. It's punch a guy with occasional story. Yep. Um, 
uh, um, that punch a guy with increasingly ludicrous debris around the streets, you know, to get some story. Uh, so, um, and I found that really, really helpful. I, I sunk like, I think 40 hours into Yakuza zero, um, relatively quickly. So I was starting to d d get that moment of, oh, hey, games are fun. And that sounds, I think, weird if you're not a professional, but I don't know how many professionals I've talked to who have said something equivalent of, I don't remember the last time I played a game for fun. Yeah. That's why I'm really and glad I'm not in video games. Because <laughs> that's right? that, that is the primary way that I unwind. Like that and, you know, various horror and horror-adjacent TV shows. And like, mm -hmm. those are my two big ways that I unwind. And so if like suddenly playing Assassin's Creed or, you know, Hades or whatever wasn't fun for me, I'd be like, my life is ruined. I have to quit. <laughs> right. But I mean, for me, my, mine was board games and card games um, because it's also not a space I work in a ton of. Um, and obviously that's been difficult to do. Um, uh, but one of the things I have been doing lately uh, uh, and this is more for the audience than for you, because you know about this, is uh, playing Consulting Detective online through Discord. Yes. And it's been uh, you, me, Matthew, and um, Danielle have been playing. I played a, a, a case of it. So it's yeah, like, but we're going to play it again this weekend. We are playing it again this weekend. Um, and that was one of the it was interesting because one of the first things that came up was, hey, is this going to be streaming? Because we're so wired to think, okay, this needs to be content. This needs to be... Something needs to be online. I've actually seen that a lot in the Gehenna Gaming. Um, this, this, this discussion came up like two days ago in, uh, oh, really? in their uh, tabletop RPG channel where they were talking about like, hey, like someone threw out like, what are some games that you would love to play but have never gotten to play? Mm -hmm. And everybody was throwing things out. I was throwing stuff out, stuff like Eclipse Phase by my good friend Adam. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the rest of the team at Post Human Studios. Like I would love to play it and i've never been able to i've i've, mm -hmm. I've never Same. gotten a group um it's it's one of matthew's favorite games we should just ask him to run it for us sometime but yeah totally we're so used to being like you know it has to be content it has to be opp stuff whatever and like that's not always the case you can play games for fun um right. but everyone was like throwing out all this stuff and most of the streamers in there uh nick and wes and you know all all the guys were going like but i feel like i have to stream it like, even right. if we're just doing a one-shot, I feel like I have to stream it. It has to be content. And it's like, to me, that's, 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 that's starting to take away from what makes games fun, which is just right. you and your friends relaxing. Because, like, you mm -hmm. can't relax when you're streaming. You, no. Yes, you can to some degree. But, I mean, for me, there's a big difference between playing Consulting Detective with my hair in a bun, wearing, like, mm. a tank top and yoga pants, no makeup, um, just hanging out with my friends, and me on a stream being like, okay, I have to do my makeup, I have to curl my hair, I have to wear a, 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 at least a nice top, if nothing else. Um, mm -hmm. Probably should put some jewelry on. Um, and then I have to make sure I'm looking at the camera most of the time and not like, you know, slouching or whatever else. Like my, my back and my legs sometimes hurt after a stream because mm -hmm. it is hard to sit ramrod straight <laughs> for that right. long. Mm -hmm. um, but I also know that I don't want to look, you know, slouchy. So yeah, there's like so much stuff that I'm thinking about when I'm streaming that is, is just not not present when you're just playing for, for, for fun. Like I don't yeah. mind being on camera in front of Eddie and Matthew and Danielle in my yoga pants because right. I know them and I don't give a shit what they think about me. <laughs> but when it right. might be, you know, 200 strangers, <laughs> then I kind of do care how I look, how I present myself. Yeah, and also um, uh, I'm finding how what, the way you play differs. Um, 
one of the things that that kind of came up was when we we're playing Salt Detective is we had kind of like should we talk in an accent because we're playing Victorian London detectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it was you that made the comments of like, eh, I feel weird doing this around Matthew. And Matthew's like, I don't care. You should hear my American accent. And I was like, we have. It's terrible. Um, but <laughs> it's something that I don't think that would have even been a discussion for a stream. It's like, of course we're not going to do <laughs> accents on the stream, right? You know? I mean, it depends. I, I feel more comfortable doing like a British accent on a, on a stream than, you know, any other accent for the most part. Oh, okay. Um, just it, it, it's, 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 a, it's a largely white person accent. Like, I don't feel bad about that. <laughs> I, I I do a British accent uh, for four hours every Wednesday night in my home V5 game. Right. Um, and actually, that's a really good way to distinguish when I'm talking out of character or in character. Because <laughs> I'll, like, drop the accent and talk like myself when I'm just asking a question. Yeah, and that's actually something I, I, I used to do for LARPs a lot, was I, I would usually try to find an accent to play a character. And for exactly that reason, it's like if I'm, not, if I'm talking in my normal voice, oh, that's, that's Eddie, it's obviously not the character. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I would prefer to do accents. But then as I got to learn how that can be perceived, I've been much more skittish about it, and particularly online. But maybe that, that's more me, I think, than perhaps a, a general rule. Like I said, there, there are certain accents I would feel comfortable doing. And it's like that like transatlantic accent that, that's, oh, yeah. that's generic and funny. Um, right. Pretty much, you know, basic British accent, the like, you know, mid to upper class accent that you hear on every period drama. The, like right, Downton Abbey accent, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm 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 okay. Uh, mm. it, it helps that I talk to Matthew all the time now, so I do hear a British accent fairly often. <laughs> sure, yeah. But I would just get more self conscious doing it in front of a British person because I I know if I mess up, they're going to notice. Whereas my right. American role playing group probably doesn't give a shit if I slip on a word mm-hmm. or like phrase something in an American way, even though I'm doing it in a British accent. But I think that goes back to the larger point is that um, when you're doing a convention game or when you're doing a stream or something that is in some form professional game playing, which is a real thing now, um, there is that sense of I need to be more accurate. Uh, uh, a good example of this is the, the, the Trinity game I'm running you guys through. Um, uh, I had I had been running it kind of how I run all my games, which is a little bit um, kind of on the fly. I, I generally prefer to, uh, I have some structure in my games, but generally I like to improv a lot. I find that more interesting. It keeps me engaged. It keeps me from not zoning out. Uh, but also I would rather make up a rule call on the fly than look up a rule. I just think it kills the flow to go, hang on a second, let me look right. up the rule. Um, and so I've gotten some of the rules wrong. On on our game, and a couple people online have been like, you know, oh, I, you know, the rule actually in Trinity doesn't say that, um, and I've been like, you know, you're absolutely right, uh, I I got that wrong, and I've tried to correct when I notice it, um, to try to you know update like momentum was the very, uh, the very first session I got momentum wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel like that bothers me a lot more when I'm doing it for something like the Pathcast because there's this implicit idea of it's the official thing, so we should be getting it right. But Onyx Path has never been a company that's been about rules fidelity, ever. Also, like, anyone that thinks that we all need to be experts in all of our games, and I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be mean to anybody here, but like, you know how many variations on D10 rule systems we all have in our heads? <laughs> like, plus, plus, yeah. you know, some 5e stuff. 
But like nice. we have so many variations on a, on a D10 rule system. Um, for for Exalted alone, there's like six permutations. Uh, for you know Chronicles, there's one, but it has different rules depending on the line. Uh, for World of Darkness, there's one, but it has different rules depending on the edition. Um, and then you know we have all, all all of our story path games are slightly different. Like yep. like Scion and Trinity and Ethiopia Rising and they came from are all slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like. We do our best, but sometimes we get mixed up. I mean, we we were running uh, Exalted Essence playtests at Metatopia, and right. uh, Neil and Monica were were running them, and Neil messed up a couple of rules. And once he realized he messed up the rules, he corrected it and was like, "Oh, okay, I'm so sorry." But like, he's also got like five sets of Exalted rules in his head if you include the like power version or whatever. Right. So yeah, like, it, it, it's gonna happen. None of us are perfect. <laughs> But I mean, you know, then that goes into even another area of, of quote unquote professional playing is playtesting. Um, and that's one of the few times where I think it is vitally important to get the rules accurate because that's the whole point right. of the session, right? Yeah, no, he like he messed up one thing, he figured out what it was, he corrected it, the players were like, Oh, okay, I I I I I get it now. But yeah, like it, no, totally. it is important, but also it's not easy. <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm not, that wasn't meant, I wasn't kind of segueing into it. And this is why Neil sucks, because I have plenty <laughs> of other ways I can do that if I need no, to. No, Eddie! <laughs> Eddie! I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love Neil. We all love Neil. Don't be mean to Neil. But um, more, it was more the fact that um, there's a different mindset. We talked about, you have a different mindset when you're playing with your friends versus streaming. There's a different mindset when you're playing uh, video games versus tabletop games. And there's a different mindset when you're, playtesting a game versus playing a game casually. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I think sometimes when we do open playtesting, uh, uh, my metric has always been, if we get 10% good data, that's actually really good. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people seem like that's, that's, that's really kind of critical. And I'm like, well, first of all, it's just, I've, I've, I generally get about 5% and that's just the numbers I've seen. So I was like, I, I'm going by the numbers I have. But also a lot of times, people look at playtesting as, is this a chance to play the cool new game? Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not really what you need to be doing. Um, having run playtests at conventions, I have to kind of prep people. It's like, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be times where I'm just going to just t- stop, cut your role play short, and fast wind you to the next set of rules I need to playtest. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's like, cool, um, you guys, blah, 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 break in. We've already established the skill rules. And then suddenly three robots appear and now you're fighting roll initiative because I need to get out, test the combat rules. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's also part of why we ran four different playtests there. And also right. why if you look at the ones that we've done uh, streamed, uh, we've done very different games. Like there's been heavy combat game. There's been heavy social game. Like we were, oh, okay. we were like trying to test different bits of the system. Um, so the uh, all all women dev one that we ran is a uh-huh. very social game. I set at a big party. We're trying to figure out a mystery. I turned into a bat. It was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> I'm shocked. I had never gotten to play a bat lunar, so I was like, I want to play a bat lunar. Um, and then for um, for the first game we played with Rich and everybody at OPPCon, it was very combat heavy. Um, th- mm-hmm. Like there was some social negotiation stuff, and then it was very actiony. Um, near the end, because once again, we want to test all the systems, and we have a social system, and we have a combat system, so, like, right. let's let's test those. Um, the the, the, the one, one thing we haven't tested a whole bunch of yet is the crafting system, which is a big part of Exalted, uh, but also right. Megan Fitzgerald wrote it, and so I just kind of trust it intuitively. <laughs> but we are going to test right. it before it goes out, but um, we're in the middle of gathering playtest feedback from Metatopia, uh, which I, I have a big spreadsheet that I've asked everybody to fill out, and that's that's been super helpful, too. 
just because some people are leaving me, you know, paragraph answers, which is what I wanted. Like, oh, like what, what did you find intuitive? What did you struggle to understand? Like, how did you feel about it overall? And people are, you know, some, some people are, are doing the like one or two sentence thing, but there are people who are leaving me like novels. And I'm like, thank you. I would like a novel. Mm-hmm. And it's similar like when we do uh, uh, the errata phase is like, uh, many times it's helpful for kind of the, I've read this, I don't understand it. I'm going to put it in errata. And it's like, cool. Obviously we didn't explain that. Let's clarify that. Um, but every once in a while, I'll get uh, uh, scenarios where it's like, well, I've, extrapolated that if you play this and if you pick this build and blah, 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 then this breaks the system. And like, but I've actually played that at the table, you know, um, that, yeah. that's what called like on the white room. Uh, the like, the like white room balance stuff is so like, that's sorry. Y'all, I'm going to say it. That's bullshit. It is. Bullshit. Um, you don't like balance is not the most important thing in a role playing game. Making sure mm-hmm. everyone has something to do is the most important thing. So maybe like so-and-so right. can't hit as hard as so-and-so that's fine. Maybe you know, that's 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 okay. Not not every character has to be exactly equal in terms of power, as long as they're all fun to role play. Yeah, and um, that's uh, something I've actually explicitly done. Like Sam Pugmire is, um, I've had people like, oh, well, this character is just all charisma and doesn't really have a lot of combat powers, and then they they realize three hours in, it's like, oh, this game is all talking to people, and they're the star of the game. Yeah, and so I have people playing the the powerful barbarian going this game is very balanced i didn't get you know much to do and it's like that's the answer it's not the fact that they're balanced mm-hmm. it's that in each scenario each character should feel like they have something to do um but again it, it this is when we're playing these games at least for me it's hard to turn my designer brain off specifically if it's a game in an area that i've done design work in right there's always the kind of well what about this what about this and, and it's been actually comfortable to do something like consulting detective or I've been running a Marvel game or even running the Trinity game for you guys to a certain degree. Right. Because in, for three different reasons, like the consulting detective game is a game I just love and I just know it really well. Um, so I've already analyzed it so I can now turn up my brain office. I have done the analysis on it. It, it. I'm not gonna learn anything new. Now I can just enjoy the game for running. I run a Marvel game um, and kind of similar, but also I'm so familiar with the game. I've been playing it or running it off and on, mostly off, to be fair, but mm-hmm. uh, since the 80s. So it, it's the the knowledge of what's wrong with it has warped around into nostalgia. Um, and so it's like, oh, look, it's this clunky rule. It makes no sense. Oh, I love it. You know, <laughs> it's like, I think how right. some vampire players look at things like sliding difficulty. And it's like, yes, no, I know difficulty 10 is terrible, but I love it. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm, totally. And, and then for running Trinity, it, it's the case of like, I, I, I help. I was. I, I didn't help design Trinity Core, but like I've been heavily involved in Story Path, so I know all the things we can do change, and I, and I can directly change if I need to. So I'm not really learning much. So I'm saying, let's just actually apply that, but at least to a kind of another section of how this can get complicated is that I was explaining to someone online the other day. They're like, you know, oh, when's the last time you played Pugmire? It's like I don't really play Pugmire. I run it, and nearly every time I run it, it is in some way either a promotional opportunity mm-hmm. uh, or a testing opportunity. Yeah. I have only once ever run it just for, for fun. Yeah. And that's, that's one of those games that I would love to have like, an, like that, th- that, that was one of my answers when they asked what games you wanted to play. I was like, I'd love mm-hmm. to have an ongoing game of like Pugmire or Monarchies or whatever. Like I, mm-hmm. I have played a couple of one shots. I have played one, one with you and mm-hmm. a couple, like I've, 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 I've run two one shots 
And that's it. Right. Like that, that's like Pugmire experience. And like I love Pugmire. You know I mm-hmm. love Pugmire. I talked about yeah. how much I love Pugmire. Like I I'm I'm, I'm writing on Pugmire. Like right. I would love to play it. But my friends groups don't seem to ever want to run that one because everybody's all into like horror games and action games and stuff. And I'm like, but Pugmire can be those things. You just have to make it those things. It's it's very easy. Well, absolutely. But I mean, uh, and actually, maybe you can give some insight on this because you are playing in a, a V. Well, you said it was on a hiatus, but you were playing in a V five game uh, set in Chicago. And is it weird playing in a game that you had some impact on professionally? No, I find it is. I I am not having that problem with V five, but also as listeners probably knew, like I am such a long time masquerade fan like mm-hmm. i've that's that's the f- game that really got me into role-playing um mm-hmm. and i'm i'm playing with some some new friends and my boyfriend's running it and it's super fun and i love our characters and like the the, the only thing i find weird is that i do know some secrets that the other players don't but i'm pretty good at just not role-playing that you know like mm-hmm. like i know the backgrounds of some of these characters that have been introduced and i'm like Ooh, you don't know about this person. Like, uh, right. like we've been interacting with Portia a lot. Mm-hmm. Who, if you've read Chicago by Night, that's Helena. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you know, Portia, the neonate. <laughs> and so, like, we had a few sessions where every time, you know, she would get brought up, they'd be like, yes, Portia, the neonate. And finally, we just told the other players, like, what her background was. Right. And like, you know, hey, don't use this information in game, but whatever. But past, right. past that, I'm, I'm, I'm not finding it super weird. However, like, w- w- would I feel weird if you asked me to say run Pugmire for you? Yes. Yeah. That would be intimidating. But having it be a home game with mostly people who aren't in our industry, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not having an issue with it at all. Like, these are people who like role playing games, but they have nothing to do with our industry, which is also really refreshing. Like, they're just old friends of my boyfriends. And and that's actually a good example is because um, I have played in uh, two games of Pugmire. Um, one was run by Memory David, who also wrote on the first book. So that was, he wasn't intimidated because he also kind of wrote in the books, right? Um, right. But I did find out after we had played for a while that some of the players had felt intimidated, but just didn't say anything. But I also wasn't going to bring up when things were quote unquote wrong. The other time was... Um, I was playing with a group of kids who had no clue who I was. Uh, and so it wasn't until afterwards that they're like, oh, wow, okay. Um, that's cool. And it kind of just dropped the subject. I think they were just because, like, overwhelmed. Like, mm-hmm. what the, you know? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because, like, you know, for me, I make these games and almost never get a chance to, to play them. Uh, because of that, because it's like, oh, I don't want to run it for you because you're, you're Eddie Webb or, you know, you're yeah. Conquer, or you're Matthew. Um, and it's like, but if we didn't love these games, we wouldn't be working so hard on them. Right? That's a, yeah, so that's, a, that's the thing. It's like, yes, there are other games I want to play too from other studios, but there are a lot of our games, including some that I'm, you know, in charge of that I've never gotten to play. Like, yeah. I've never played Changeling the Lost 2E. And I right. love Changeling the Lost 2E. I am very vocal mm-hmm. about how much I love that game. Um, I've never played a Vampire the Requiem. Oh, yeah. No one's ever run it for me. I've, I, I, I own all the 1E clan books. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm a big fan of it. Uh, and have been for many years. But I've never gotten to play it. Like, I think one of the... The only Chronicles game I might have ever gotten to play is uh, Deviant. We were playtesting it in Midwinter. Right. Because people just don't want to run that stuff for me. And, like, 
a lot of times if there's like a like a streaming game that's going to happen, people don't even think to ask because they're like, well, certainly she won't want to play this because she reads it all the time. And I'm like, right. but I but I would like to play it. Um, I, I think it would be fun to play these games, uh, whether it's I, I prefer not stream just because I like just kicking back and having fun. But like even like a streamed one shot. But recently, I feel like that's been most of my role playing has been streamed one shots. Oh, really? So I'm happy to like not be doing that as much. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, Gannett Gaming does their Saturday night one shots and they invite me every now and then to be on there. Um, and then I've had a couple other friends who wanted me to play in their games. And so I'm just like, yeah, sure, whatever. So I just, you know, hop on various games every now and then. But it's been a lot of streamed one shots. And I'm like, okay, so what if I didn't have to do this? <laughs> right. And that's been interesting for me, too. Uh, uh, so I think I've talked about it before. Um, I have. I had a lot of social anxiety about running games online and it was mm-hmm. irrational. Um, I recognized it even at the time that it was irrational. Um, but it, it was just really, I was like, no, I just can't do this. Um, and so I had to kind of build myself back up. Uh, so I started uh, playing, mm-hmm. um, uh, my family ran a, a one shot of D and D through roll 20. It was uh, the Rick and Morty one. Um, and it was with people that we had games with before the pandemic. So it's like, okay, it's basically, it's our gaming group, just a different game and we're doing it online. I was like, okay, that's a nice step in. And the, okay, that was, this was fun. Um, now um, my wife, Michelle is running uh, a Bol- the Baldur's Gate uh, adventure um, with some of our friends in mm-hmm. the UK. And uh, that's been like, oh, these are people I haven't seen in years. So now it's a social opportunity. And it's like, okay, now I'm starting to have fun with this too. Uh, then I started running my own game. And that, again, it was people that I I know really well. Um, so like, okay, I got to go for that. And then, uh, Consulting detective, whatnot. And so, I of this past weekend, um, uh, I ran at Game Holcom. That's the first convention I've run at for since, since PAX Unplugged last year. No, no, right. since Midwinter. Um, oh yeah, I keep forgetting that we, we actually went to Midwinter. I know, this year. right? I killed something. No, oh, Midwinter 2019. It's like, no, we went to Midwinter this year because it was right before everything happens. Yeah, uh, exactly. So it's, it's still like eleven months. You know, um, it's still a long time. I mean, yeah, but just like. I keep thinking like I haven't gone to a convention all year. Then I'm like, no, I did. I went to one. Right, exactly one. <laughs> one, one, one brief shining moment of convention this year. <laughs> well, we played uh, uh, Mario Karts at late at night in the middle of, in the, middle of the bar. Did. <laughs> we did. It was fun. And now my switch looks different from Matthew's, so we can all pull our switches apart. There we go. That's good. Because my red controller started uh, developing a drift. Oh no! So I bought a replacement controller, and because I'm me, I brought it. I bought it in obnoxious lime green. Perfect. Yeah. And I have green and blue. Yes. But if the blue one dies, I'm just gonna get another green one. Of course. So, yes. Yeah. Slowly, eventually, get a match set. <laughs> well, okay. So it's complete tangent off everything <laughs> else. I tried really, really hard to get the limited edition Animal Crossing Switch. Oh. Um, okay. And it was one of those stupid things where as soon as it went on sale, people bought like 10 each and then put them on eBay for $700. Yep. And I was like, well, I'm not going to pay that for one. Um, And it was limited edition, so I can't get one now. And so I mostly just wanted it for the controllers (laughs) (laughs) and the like back of the the actual dock because I was going to buy that and then give my boyfriend the Switch. Oh, okay. So that we could each have one. But um, that, that fell through. So instead, I'm just changing my Switch to green. Backup Tangent. Plans. Backup plan. No, no, that, that's, 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 I mean, again, it, I think it reflects the larger point of that our relationship with these games is weird. I mean, it's weirder right now, I should say. It's always weird, but it's weirder right now. It really is. I mean, I, 
I have played a lot of video games over the lockdown, obviously, because um, what else are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and some, some with friends, which is nice because it's a good way to get kind of get together socially, mm-hmm. um, especially when you don't have to actually be on camera. Like, a, a lot of our Phasmophobia and Among Us games have been streamed, but mm-hmm. it's voice only. Oh, So nice. it's just, so I don't mind that. Because once again, I could be in my, my, my bun and my yoga pants. Sure, And yeah. just be like talking to people. And that's fun, you know? Um, because I'm not the one on camera. Usually it's either uh, Ian Muller or Wes Franks who's, mm. who's streaming the game. So they're, they're, they're the only person who's actually on camera. Um, but like video games have been my, my solace. And I have to say like Animal Crossing came out the right month. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it absolutely did. <laughs> because I still check it every day. Even like usually it's like 20 minutes while I'm waking up and drinking my coffee. Mm-hmm. I like check it. I dig my fossils. I do my little daily chores. I go check the store. I walk around. I hide my villagers, you know, and it's, 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 it's a little daily routine thing. And like sometimes I'll still sit down and like do an actual project before I go to bed or whatever. But even just that like 20, 30 minutes a day of just kind of like this is soothing and I love this village and I'm going to pick my outfit for the day. It's just nice. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, that's why it's so interesting to me about the role games play and how that perspective changes when you're a professional is because you can't stop playing games. I mean, you've got to stay current and aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you get in this kind of weird space where I ha- I can't think of very many games where I've played purely for research and I get zero enjoyment out of. And I can't think of any game where I've played very many games where I played purely for enjoyment and have never tried to even, I never even thought about any professional application of that game. Yeah. Um, again, often I just think about how you would like turn a game I like into a TTRPG. Like we talked about that a lot with uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Because that would be such a great TTRPG setting. Um, and all of us were like, that would be really cool. How would we do that? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we had the same, we've, we've had to talk about quite a few video games where it's like, how would you do this as a TTRPG? Because we, we we think about this stuff. No, absolutely. I mean, I know. I know. Me, I've I've thought the other way because um, uh, uh, nothing has happened. But you know, obviously, I've shopped Pugmire around a couple of times as a potential video game, and so I was like, well, what would that look like, and how would that be designed, structured? Oh my god, I would love a Pugmire video game. And, and I mean, I, I I feel like Pugmire would be great for something in the aesthetic of something like Animal Crossing, but as a classic kind of JRPG, you know, it's like we've we talked, you know, that might be a really cool approach for it, or even something like Three Houses. I just want it as an MMO. <laughs> yeah, oh, God, yeah. I just want all of us to play our dogs and cats and mice and rats and birds and lizards and turtles. Yep, and, and all these several million dollars. Well, yeah, that's why we have to, like, convince you know, Blizzard to license the IP. Right. <laughs> Blizzard, if you're listening, um, <laughs> we are open to talk. Right, exactly. About um, as we know, all of Blizzard listens to this podcast. I so I I I had one friend for the past like seven or eight years who worked at Blizzard was pretty high up, and he just left his job to go to a different studio. And I'm like, damn it, <laughs> that was my one contact at Blizzard. That is fair. And I do know um, at least, uh, I, won't, I won't mention names, but I do know at least one person from Nintendo actually also listens to this podcast. So Nintendo, if you're listening, we will also talk to you about right. Pugmire for the Switch. Absolutely. Absolutely. I would definitely do that. That would be so cool. Sorry, I'm just being excited now. No, yeah, right? But see, that's the thing. is like it, it's, th- That's the other side of it is that thinking about these things professionally isn't, isn't bad either, right? I mean, it, it's, um, I've gotten some fantastic ideas from playing other games and applying them to our designs. Um, and 
uh, certainly it can be a ton of fun to play games that you wouldn't normally play, but you should look into it for research purposes. And you find, you know, there's a, a really surprisingly cool game under here. Um, I frankly, the Fire Emblem franchise, I didn't really, I wasn't really into. Uh, and then uh, Meredith Gerber, a friend of the podcast, you know, started talking to me about it. And yep. I was like, I really should learn how strategy games work because it's just an area I wasn't as familiar with. Yeah, I had never played a Fire Emblem game until Three Houses, and I have sunk like 200 hours or something under Three Houses now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it, I was, I was, I was talking to, to Danielle about this a few weeks ago is the, you know, sh- should I play, I like three houses, should I play other strategy games now? Because of, you know, it's like, she was the same boat. It's like, now I feel like I understand how strategy games work. Maybe I should try others, but I, I feel like I'll also be comparing them always to three houses. You know? Right, 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 right. Yeah. No, that's, that's the thing. It's like, well, all of y'all talked about, uh, the persona games too, right. but I have no platform on which to play persona five. I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, and so I haven't played it. And I saw that Persona 4 Golden is on, on Steam PC. now. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe. But also Persona 5 is the one I really want to play based on what all my friends have talked about. Like, I don't know that I right. care about the other ones. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But, like, JRPGs were never really my thing mm-hmm. um, when I was younger. Like, I never got into the Final Fantasy games. Sorry, Meredith. Um, right. I, I never got into a lot of those. Like, even uh, the, the Mario RPG Mm-hmm. Like Super Mario RPG for SNES, right? I think yeah, for for for, for SNES. Like I found that boring at the time because I was a kid, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of like picking things off a menu instead of actually doing actions, right? Uh, and that, that 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 wasn't fun for me as a child. Like I I I didn't get into the story enough to to have fun with that. Yep. Uh, now as an adult, I find them very fun. And mm-hmm. like visual novels and things and those sorts of games are actually very fun to me now. But when I was younger, like I, I felt like I wasn't doing anything when I was playing that kind of game. So, And, and this even goes into, to go back to tabletop games, is the, um, I have found, I've really enjoyed various uh, indie games or uh, other tabletop role-playing games that I wouldn't normally have played because they're not my normal comfort zone. Workbork um, uh, is actually a really good example. Um, I am personally kind of burned out on uh, super grim, dark, old mm-hmm. school D and D style games, and so many of my friends were like, "You know, you should get more work, you should get more work," um, and almost always talking about the aesthetics of it. And so I was like, "Well, okay, well, you know, it's it's a it's a visually distinctive game. We should probably look into right. it research purposes." Um, and uh, so I was gifted a copy, and it's like. This actually looks like it might be a lot of fun to play. I probably won't know to play it once or twice, but it's now a game that I actually really want to play this, even though it's a genre that I felt like I was kind of done with. Yeah. And you mentioned Eclipse Phase. Uh, again, it's like the, oh, well, it's my friend Adam's game, so I want to support them, so I'll check it out. Um, but you know, I'm not really into uh, super grimdark uh, space opera games. And the more I read about it, the more it's like, this is super cool and really interesting. And there's a lot of of political dynamism and identity exploration and allows you to tap into things that are um, both relevant in our modern culture, but also just are genuinely interesting in and of themselves. Uh, so even though the system's not something I'd gravitate to for fun, it's like, I really mm-hmm. want to dig in and, and play that partially just to enjoy the setting, but also because like, I want to see how the system really works. And I can't do that just by reading it. I've got to really right. play it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's my thing with a lot of these games. I have like I was overjoyed this past summer when I got to play L5R for the first time because mm-hmm. I've worked on several L5R books. And I was always like, this theme is really interesting, but I don't understand how it would work like when I actually play it. Right. And I got to play it and I was like, oh, I do really like this game. It's fun. Um, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's very socially focused, at, at least the game that we played was. Mm-hmm. Um, but combat's really cool too, and like I, I really enjoyed it. I liked L five R five. L five R five. L five R five E. That's 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 great. Uh, <laughs> but some more like I, I want to play Scion two E right. Um, I mean, obviously we make it and it's it's a great game, but it's like I I want to play it not just as the oh I'm the person who. Uh, manages Neil in terms of organizing the, the Scion line and blah, blah, blah. And it would be cool to have a stream of us playing Scion. It's like, yes, that's all that's there. But also it's like, I genuinely think it would be a fun game for me to play. And so it's like, I almost don't want to talk about any actual play of me playing Scion because I want to just play it with my friends and, and just have a good time being a, a Scion of what the fuck ever. And so like the little bit we had on the Pathcast was really, really fun for me. Because even though, yes, we had framed it in a way that, you know, it was content for the podcast and that's great. But mm-hmm. also it was me playing with two of my friends yeah. and just doing bonkers stuff. Yeah. I had so much fun playing Scion. Um, I'm having fun playing kind of the, the opposite of my Scion character in this Trinity game. Right. Because I was yeah. definitely the like talker in our, in our Scion game. Mm-hmm. And I was totally fine to let Matthew be the, uh, the uh, talker, even though he's proven very ineffective at it. Um, <laughs> in a, in a, in a date situation. Uh, Just because he accidentally forgot what dating was. <laughs> I edited that. And I think that my only show note was like, you know, Dixie's character hacks some stuff. Matthew goes on like three dates. <laughs> All at the same time. Yeah, it was very weird. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so like that's that's been fun for me. I've I really enjoyed uh, stepping out of my my normal box on a lot of games recently. Like we 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 did that Frostlands of Fenrir extreme, uh-huh. and I was like, I'm gonna play the Surly Dwarf. Yeah, I never play the Surly Dwarf. Although I have played the Surly Dwarf in like WoW, which I enjoyed. Well, sure. Um, but like I have never played that character in a game like my my favorite D character that i talk about all the time jane giant spain was me stepping out of my box and being like i never really played a halfling mm-hmm. like you know i always grew up being like i'm gonna be a half elf ranger or i'm gonna be a you know human sorcerer or whatever and like playing some of these kind of off the wall characters for me has been really really fun right and i'm trying to do that more and more and more like my um my my b5 character is definitely a face character but she's also very punchy and I don't usually play punchy characters in Vampire. So it's, it's, it's nice. It's Alessandra Potence. It gets you every time. Yeah, she hits stuff real hard. <laughs> I thought you meant Potence is a hell of a drug. Yeah, I, I've, I've actually never really played a Potence character in V5 until the, or in Vampire, really, until this. Because mm-hmm. I always played, like, Toreadors, Malkavians, and all these kind of, like, you know, artsy vampires mm-hmm. um and playing this and you know i played the sombra anti-tribs but i i used to always go uh what is it presence is that the other one or dominate uh dominate in the sombra yeah yeah so i always went like you know lots of oblivion or a celebration as it used to be mm-hmm. and then mostly like social type stuff so this is this is my first punchy la sombra um and she's great like she's <laughs> she's a 120 pounds of blonde victorian kick-ass nice uh, she, 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 she's always the one who like, if we knock someone out and have to go interrogate them, she's always the one who like throws the guy over her shoulder and is like, all right, let's go. <laughs> that's, 
That's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun playing her. Um, and all the characters in our coterie are, are great. And we're, we're, we're having a good time. I think we're picking back up next week, so. Okay. So just a short, it was just a short delay? Yeah, we, uh, we took like a two-week break for election stuff. And also just so that our storyteller could, you know, plot out what we were going to do next. Because we hit a big climax in our last session. Mm-hmm. We had, we had been building toward this Elysium that my character was hosting for like 12 sessions. Oh, okay. So we finally posted the Elysium. That makes sense. Uh, and I think that kind of, well, that just doesn't really segue well, but it, it, there's one last thing I want to talk about. It's more accurate. That's okay. We already said this, this, this one was going to be punchy and weird. So yeah, like, I yeah. just went on a tangent talking about my V5 game for five minutes and I don't even know how we got on that subject. I don't either. I, don't either. I genuinely don't know how we got on that. I think, I think it was because we were talking about um, characters you don't normally play. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, um... Uh, the, the 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 one thing that I personally have been discovering uh, relatively recently um, has been a synthesis approach uh, in terms of of doing things that have the trappings of being professional but actually aren't. Uh, and oh. for me, for me, that's my Twitch stream, right? Because so much of the language around Twitch now is. You have to grow your your base. You have to you know get more content out there. You have to play interesting mm-hmm. games. Um, a, a lot of a lot of people are approaching it like a business, and and, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, some Twitch streamers are, are are fantastic entertainers and absolutely deserve all the success they get. Um, I never approached it like that. It was just initially a way to hang out with my friends and play some Sherlock Holmes games. Um, and I found that I really enjoy that. And part of the reason why I really enjoy that is because it's one area where I just, I have absolutely refused to treat it like a business. Right. I'm not going to play games that uh, advertise other games I'm working on. It's not a platform for me to raise awareness of my brand or any of that nonsense. It's just, I have a disturbingly large amount of mystery games in my backlog that I'm always wanting to get to or play again. And this gave me an excuse to do that. And I hang out with the same five or six people every week. <laughs> and I'm perfectly happy with that. I don't want anything more than that. I mean, if more people show up, great. Um, but that's not why I do it. And it, it's, again, from an outside perspective, it seems bizarre that you have to work around to get back to the point of, I want to play this game for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing the pandemic has shown is that, well, partially people will find a way no matter what. I mean, we're doing conventions again online. Uh, people are finding ways to play even board games online. Um, uh, and I'm probably playing actually more games right now than I have been even pre-pandemic because it's much easier to just jump on a computer and play. Yeah, same. Like, I mean, there's there's such a big difference between playing at your computer, as you said, and like driving to someone's house and figuring out what you want to eat for dinner and you have to get dressed and shower beforehand and all that stuff, you know, and like... right. Like just be, being social takes more prep when you're doing it in person. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, there, there's still uh, a lot of social anxiety around playing online because it, the social cues are different, and you have to kind of just learn the language of playing right. video call or audio call or whatnot. Um, but I also feel like, at least for me, that is fading because I'm starting to learn the new dynamics. We're all starting to learn new dynamics, and so it's like, okay, you know, things like. Um, one of the takeaways I had from the convention last weekend is that I usually run con games, six player tables because I found that that's my mm-hmm. max in terms of how many people I can comfortably handle. Um, and to kind of help me 
get over my uh, uh, anxiety, I, I went with five for Gabe Holcomb, but I only had three people at each of my games. And I don't think I would always have only three people, but three people was about the right amount for me at that time. Yeah, we do four for our play tests and sometimes five, depending, mm-hmm. but usually it's, it's, it's four people um, just because that's, that's a good number of slots for a play test and to play online. I've been, I've been hearing that four, four is probably up a lot when I've been looking around and people playing online saying so four or five is like really the best. No. Yeah. Well, because like it, it, it also depends on whether you're playing with video or not, because it's easier sure. to tell if you're stomping on someone's dialogue when you're on video. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can see them start to speak. Right. <laughs> Whereas when you're playing voice only, sometimes someone just didn't hit their push to talk in time or whatever, or, or you didn't hear them because you're all talking at the same time. And right. next thing you know, you have like taken over someone's spotlight. Like I've had that happen to me and I've been like, Hey, can you try to be aware of this in the future? Um, but also I've, I've done it to other people and tried to be like, Oh shit. Didn't mean to do that. Sorry. You know? Right. No, that, that, that all, makes a lot of sense and it's 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 been helpful for me to kind of think about those things because again i i this is my my job so i i i can never not study how games work um if i if i did i probably should stop doing this because it's, it's something i genuinely love and genuinely enjoy doing eddie you are forbidden from studying how games work well that's gonna be awkward <laughs> i was i was expecting like a no <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah it's like I, I can only execute ex- previously existing content i can never do anything new ever again yep it's pugmire 12th edition now <laughs> but, but all you're doing is just reprinting the same book because you can't right. do anything new right exactly i i can't say so i can just i, I changed the font color this time there you go it's, it's <laughs> it now has bats instead of cats there <gasps> i know i'm teasing you <laughs> I want it. <laughs> Batmire. Colonies of... <laughs> With attention to all of this, um, surprisingly, we did not talk name drop a lot of games. I was actually expecting no. to that. That's because we went on 18,000 tangents. As that, that's old. true. That is really true. Uh, has there been a game that, um, in 2020, uh-huh. that you did not ex- either he- know about or did not expect to like that you found you loved? And it could be any genre, but... Are we talking about just TTRPGs? Any. I mean, TTRPG ideally, but also has there been a video game or a board game that you've been like, I had no idea I would find this interesting? Yeah, there are a couple. Um, gosh, I, I, I played the Alien RPG a while back. Um, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, fun story. I've never seen any of the original Alien movies. I've only seen the two that came out oh, in the wow. past decade, and they're not good. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> now, I am aware... Of the, so, I... I think I mentioned this before on on the podcast, and that's that once something is spoiled for me, even if it's just spoiled because it's in the cultural, you know, zeitgeist, Mm -hmm. I lose interest in watching it. Oh, okay. So because I know all the main plot beats of Alien, it's hard for me to want to watch it. Because, like, I know what's going to happen at the dinner scene, you know? I know so much about that movie because it's referenced so often. In, yeah. in in our culture uh-huh. um and that's that, that 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 that's an issue that i have with a lot of movies like most people get a little flabbergasted when they hear about the amount of incredibly famous movies i've never seen right and it's like i know what happens i'm i'm, I'm no longer interested once i know how it ends like it's not interesting to me um so that's 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 a problem 
um, means I haven't seen a lot of famous movies. But the 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 game was really fun and did a really good job at emulating, um, you know, that that feeling of being isolated space and not knowing who to trust and everything, which was cool. Um, also, uh, Ten Candles, which I have oh, now yeah. played twice. Yeah. Uh, and I'm planning to run for my B5 group. Like, I didn't, I had never heard of it until Barrett started talking about it. Um, and now I've played in it twice, and it's a fun game. Like, it's yeah. it's very collaborative. It's super cool. Like, I love character creation. Like, it's, it's, it's a fun game, and I did not... It, it came out in, like, 2015. Um, much much like how Among Us came out in, like, 2018. And all of a sudden, right. this summer, they both became popular. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely recommend checking out Ten Candles if anybody wants a cool one-shot horror game. Um, yeah. No, didn't didn't expect to fall in love with that so much, but I, I did. And also, it's one of those games where I'm like, I can run this online. Because what, what, one of the things that I've been really annoyed about with the 2020 being what it is, is my, my favorite one-shot horror game to run for friends, Dread. Yeah, I can't run. Too. Yeah. There's 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 not a good way to simulate a virtual Jenga tower that I found. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you could figure it out somehow, but that's that's like one of the hardest games to run online for me. It's just because yeah. it's like I don't know how to simulate a Jenga tower falling over, and also the like tension of being at the table watching it get like teetery and stuff is is really nice in that game. Yeah, it's very important to the experience. I completely agree. Yeah, and so it's there's there's no tension in this one so yeah um as far as video games honestly phasmophobia would never have been a kind of game i would have picked up before i'm not Mm. in i've all of a sudden been into ghost stories which is not my jam usually yeah i know uh but i i played phasmophobia and i've watched the haunting of bly manor and i'm Mm. almost done with the haunting of hill house yes i watched them out of order that's okay you can do that (laughs) Um, because it's an anthology series and it doesn't matter uh, so I'm like halfway through Haunting of Hill House right now, and I'm enjoying those. And usually I don't like ghost stories. So I, I, I don't know why all of a sudden this is something that I'm like hyper-focused on, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, there's another game that I haven't played yet, but that I'm intending to play with some friends called The Blackout Club. Okay. Um, which I'm going to type and just make noise on the podcast because I don't care. Uh <laughs> It's a first-person co-op horror game around a group of teenage friends investigating a monstrous secret beneath the skin of their small town. So there's procedurally generated missions, and you can only see the enemy with your eyes closed. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I've heard that is very, very, very good, too, for, like, Um, co-op. It's a a horror stealth co-op game. So something else that will be fun to uh, play on stream with some other people where it's just my voice. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, I, I, I don't know why all of a sudden I'm into ghost stories. We literally just had the Ghost Hunters episode where I was, like, up and into ghosts. Um, right. And now I'm playing Phasmophobia and, like, watching The Haunting. I, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. You contain multitudes. I do. I do. Yeah. No, I, I just all of a sudden was like, I'm going to watch all this horror stuff. And I'm like, okay, for some reason I'm into this atmospheric ghost story that I didn't think I'd be into. Totally. But what about you? What have you found out this, this, this summer? Uh, so, um... Uh, when Danielle ran her chaos stream of everyone playing, that a was so much game, fun. It was, but I, as a, jo- I, I, I put up My Little Pony specifically to troll Danielle. Yeah, I mean that's that's why I picked the 2000 Sailor Moon role playing game. Right, but when I started reading it, it's like this is actually a decent little system. I was like, really surprisingly charmed by the My Little Pony game, and it's like I probably never would have cracked it open except for research. But I was like, there's actually some really interesting little bits happening here. And it's like, I could probably see playing a genuine 
game or two of the My Little Pony game. And I was just like, that's not a sentence I ever thought I would say. <laughs> that's not a sentence I ever thought I'd hear you say. Right? Nor, I know. Nor, nor any of my peers. Um, uh, it, it's, it's just, it was just really, really interesting. I'm like, okay, well, cool. I also um, got to play Tales from the Loop this summer, which I really oh. enjoyed. It was just a one shot once again. But um, I have found that I really like the free login dice system. Okay. Um, partially just because it's different. You know, I am, I am so, like, rolling D10s is something that I'm just so used to at this point that it's kind of nice to not be rolling D10s. Fair. But I like their D6 system. It's, it's, it's good. It's clean. It's simple. It's very easy to pick up. Um, and I, I, I had never played a free login game or free league, if we want to say it in, in English, uh, yes. until this summer. And now I've played a couple of them, and they were both really good. And so I'm like, oh, I could see picking up more, like, free league games in the future. Like, I I, I thought Tales from the Loop looked interesting when I first saw it, uh, but I had never gotten to play it. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. That's one that I keep seeing on radar, but I'm not really read about or get a chance to dig into. But that's something I'm really – I think I do want to try at some point. Yeah, I mean, Tales from the Loop is, is Stranger Things, pretty much. Right, I've heard that. Yeah, and it's 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 super super good. Um, you are you are a group of of young people dealing with some shit, you know, with some shit. Yes. Um, the other one that uh, I just didn't know about and stumbled across because someone recommended it, and now I'm weirdly into it. Is Spire? Oh yeah, it's a fantasy game where you're playing. Uh, uh, you're dark elves, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and as opposed to being underground, you're part of a. You all live in a gigantic spire. Um, and it was about a third of the way through when I realized, oh, this is basically cyberpunk redressed in fantasy. Yeah, you're like revolutionaries. Yeah, because you have to try to overthrow the existing high elves, and um, and it has some really fascinating things, like you have your your money track is like your damage track. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, when you buy stuff, you take damage to your money, um, and there are other game effects that can heal your money or damage your money further, um, which is a really interesting idea. Um, but just taking that co- those core elements of a genre we love and presenting them in a completely new way, which is like, this is really interesting. And so it's like, oh, once it was like kind of framed that way, it's like, this is something I really dug. And and the way they do their lore mm-hmm. is just little bits and snippets. So it's like you get the feel of what's going on, but there's a lot of room for you to kind of put your own stuff in. It's, it's right. really great. That's cool. Yeah, I've, I've, I've not played that one. I'm, I'm familiar with it on some level, but I haven't played it. It appeared on a lot of like, top 10 RPGs of the past year or two or whatever list that I've seen. Right. And it was just something that for some reason I just kept glossing over it and mm-hmm. I, I got it through a different avenue. It's like, Oh, actually how have I missing this game for like a year or two, but apparently I have. Um, and then on the video game side, um, a game that um, I am weirdly obsessed with now is uh, dicey dungeons. I, I love dicey dungeons. I just found it. And like the game makes no sense. It's like you're in a game show where you're turned into a dice and it's specifically spelled out as a singular of dice is dice. Um, I don't know why, Uh, but it's hosted by lady luck. And so (laughs) um, if you get through, you spin a wheel where to escape, but you can never escape because the wheels rigged and everyone knows this, but it's still played fair. And also you roll dice to defeat monsters and like actual dice, you move on the screen and it's just, (laughs) I can't even explain it, and yet I have sunk easily 20 hours into this game already. Yeah, um, Adam, Adam, who I already mentioned twice up, so from, from Eclipse Phase, recommended that game to me. Um, oh, really? After, yeah, well, if, if you recall, when I was first streaming, I had really bad internet. And oh, so yeah, I, just... I was asking for games that wouldn't be a heavy load on my computer. 
Um, right. Now it's not really a big deal. Like I could probably stream anything with the internet that we have now. But right. I was looking for games to stream that I could like stream and just fun have fun with. It never panned out because pandemic happened and all of our plans for me doing like a monthly fun stream kind of just fell through because we were all struggling. Right. Um, but yeah, so I was just looking for games that I could play that were just kind of like silly. Like if anybody watched it uh, last Christmas, I played What the? Um? Uh, oh yeah, for like just played played through it in like three four hours or whatever uh, because we wanted a Christmas stream and I wasn't doing anything. So I was like, I'll play this ridiculous game. Uh, and yeah, Adam recommended Dice Dungeons to me as one of those games, and I bought it. And I I haven't beaten it, but I've, I've played through quite a bit of it and enjoyed it. So yeah. But yeah, so I don't know if it came with a conclusion to all of that. No, we, we just chatted. We just chatted for an That's hour okay. about games. That's fine. Uh, well, if people wanted to talk to you about games, Dixie, where would they find you online? Oh, they can find me at Dixie Cyanide. At most on most social media, they could probably find me in the next few days in uh, Valhalla, <laughs> <laughs> playing yeah. as my Viking in Norway, hitting people with axes. You know, when you get actually, straps in. Actually, yes, exactly. <laughs> After my deadline, that I will play Valhalla. Um, my little 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 side note: something that I just thought would be interesting to share with folks uh, that mm-hmm. popped up on Twitter the other day is that one of my friends tagged me in a post that was like, you know, what's your favorite video game character or like what's 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 a great video game character? And I've thought about it for a long time and I realized that I prefer playing a character that I made to oh. any canon characters for the most part. Like I I liked Cassandra in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I liked her personality, although I, I chose a lot of that personality because I picked her her dialogue. Right. Um, but my favorite characters I've ever played have been like my Skyrim characters, my Fallout Four character, my Mass Effect characters. Like, yes, they have a set last name, but everything else you make up, you know. Right. And so that's 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 what I enjoy is when they let me in, inject my own personality in there. Um, so as 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 much as I like like Zagreus and Hades and everything, like I I tend to prefer making my own choices or making my own characters. And so it's very hard for me to be like, this is a video game character that I think is great because all my favorites are my characters that I made. Speaking of which, though, um, I don't know if you saw the um, Mass Effect Trilogy's Geek Remastered. I saw, and I'm actually finally going to play 1 through 3, which I haven't played yet. I haven't played, God, probably since it first came out. So I saw that and it's like, yeah, I've been debating a playthrough, but I was like, now I'm going to hold off and play through because if you play them back to back to back like that, that would just be so nice. Yeah, I know. I, uh, so I tried to play one, but it was so far after it came out that I got frustrated that I couldn't like jump. Yeah. It like, it was, it was so clunky to me cause it had been out for like 10 years when I tried to play it. Right. Um, and then I just didn't play the other ones cause I wanted to play them in order. Uh, and then I, I did play Andromeda and unlike a lot of people, I enjoyed it. I'm an Andromeda apologist. Also, I didn't find any bugs in my game. So sorry that your game was buggy. <laughs> right. Um, mine was fine. Uh, lo- loved Andromeda though, so like I'm totally happy to finally go through and play one through three uh, once they're remastered. Sweet, yeah, I think I think you'll enjoy them. So where can folks find you, Eddie? Oh yeah, right, that's the thing. Yeah, we, we were in the middle of that, and then I was just like, let me tell you this <laughs> anecdote, and then we started talking again. Um, uh, well, you won't be able to find me in Valhalla, but you will be able to find me at pugsteady.com, um, and from there you can get access to all my social media accounts. Uh, also, you can find us um, certainly on Twitter, but uh, in particular, we have a, a Discord and we just added a PathCast channel onto the Discord. Um, so I think going forward, that's going to be the absolute best place to get in touch with us is to come into Discord and just chat with us in um, hashtag PathCast. Yeah. 
So come to check it out. Um, we don't have a Kickstarter to promote this week, but next week uh, we'll start talking about Kickstarter again. So you have a break from the Kickstarter uh, deluge. Um, but uh, thank you for hanging out with us uh, as we um, fly Matthewless. Uh, as always, many worlds, one pathcast. Cast.